What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mixed Tapes. I'm your host, Eric Stangland, and uh, we're doing another one of those 30th anniversary albums today. And uh, you wanted them again. I mean, it's amazing how many downloads this guy had, so I'm bringing him back on the show. Uh, we're doing the No More Tears 30th anniversary special with my friend Bredo. Bredo, what's going on today, my friend? What's happening, Eric? Thanks for having me back on. It's, it's amazing the, the reaction that you've gotten from the previous podcast. I had no idea it would be like that. Oh, dude, they were loving you, man. They were loving discussions. I actually got some feedback, too, which was cool. But but the uh, the numbers tell me you're number three out of all the podcasts so far that we that I've done on, on the uh, Mixtape Show. So that's pretty damn awesome. So we're talking about No More Tears, 30th anniversary of this record. I remember buying this record. And if I'm not crazy, I believe this record was released the same week that the user illusion records were released i'm not positive about that but i remember having to make a choice and i went down to good old sam goody for people who don't remember record stores and i purchased this record and i think i purchased use your illusion shit i don't remember which one but the one that has civil war on it that's the one i that's the one i purchased use your illusion too okay there you go um and th those are the two i purchased that day um, I'm a huge Ozzy fan, you know, been a huge Ozzy fan. Randy Rhodes is the reason, Randy and Eddie were the two reasons I really started playing guitar with a little Tony Iommi on the side also. Um, but this was a record I was looking forward and was interested in when it first came out. So since everybody loves the story about Tonopah Bredo, um, <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell us how you acquired No More Tears in the Tonopah you know, uh, trading underground trading society. What happened? How did you get this one? <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's uh, really interesting that you bring me back for this album, because for me, there's a whole lot of parallels between the black album and no more tears. Um, I came about, I came across it pretty much the same way. Um, living in Tonopah for the uninitiated. Um, <laughs> there's nobody there. It was a town of about 1500 people and no place to buy anything no place to get music of any kind so our only and no radio stations our only real outlet was mtv and you know when they played music videos whatever they played is what you listen to and you know i was fortunate enough to you know when i was developing my musical tastes to hear some bands that i consider you know all timers metallica and van halen and you know bands like that that they would they were still pushing those guys in fairly heavy rotation in those days. Rock was still, you know, a big thing. And um, I would see an Aussie video every so often. Um, you, if you remember the Crazy Train video, the black and white, and he's yep. standing on the train tracks, and he had that just wild, giant feathered hair and the the duster and all that stuff. And um, I thought, my God, this man's insane. And you know, they would play it in fairly heavy rotation headbangers ball. They'd play, I think um, once an hour, <laughs> it felt like that, but um, in all seriousness, that was my real first exposure to Ozzy. Uh, my folks were the only other real resource that I had for music and they never got into Sabbath. So uh, aside from hearing Iron Man on occasion or, you know, maybe paranoid here or there, I never really had a whole lot of exposure to Ozzy prior to like the Crazy Train video and later on uh, Shot in the Dark because that was huge. Yeah. And then um, I didn't know anything about his band or, or Randy or anything else aside from you know the Flying V that they showed in the Crazy Train video. 
that was, you know, really my only exposure. So in, you know, June of 91, when the no more tears video dropped, that's my first, that, that's how I came to Ozzy really. So again, I'm, I'm backwards from you. I didn't get Randy Rhodes until, you know, way later. Zach was my first exposure and, you know, hearing just no more tears and just how the song starts with that, you know, iconic bass, you know, intro and, you know, it just kind of the song builds and in through that drop D slide guitar and just, I didn't know what that was at the time, but I mean, it, it forced me to, to learn things like that. And just, you know, seeing that and hearing that, it just brought me right in. And just the parallels between that and Enter Sandman are just astonishing for me. I, I was uh, thinking back on it earlier today when I was uh, listening to No More Tears again for the first time in what seems like forever. And it just, it all kind of came back that, you know, he's, uh, this album just really, to me, is just Ozzy's Black album. So that, that's yeah. how I that's how I came across it. And it just, uh, I'll, I'll get into more of the parallels, you know, later. I'm sure you've got some interesting stuff for me too, but um, it was the no more tears video that brought me in. And uh, the only, the biggest difference for me, as far as listening to the whole album was Ozzy's uh, reputation versus uh, Metallica's Metallica. You know, my, my parents were, you know, the big influence on me and, they didn't really feel one way or the other about Metallica other than it's just really loud and it's heavy and it's just not something that they'd want to listen to. But with Ozzy, I mean, there was all the controversy, yep. just nonstop controversy surrounding him. And, you know, my parents, you know, grew up, you know, Southern Christian, um, hard, heavy rock like that was the devil music. And, right, right. You know, the, the imagery and stuff that he had on album covers and videos and, you know, biting the heads off of bats and stuff like that. It was all playing into that persona, that image. And, you know, they bought into it. They bought into it hard. And, you know, because of that, I wasn't really exposed to anything else. I, I've since, you know, I turned my parents around and, you know, my dad, um, God rest him, um, he had come around to a lot of his stuff. And my mom the same way. Um, it's weird how that works, right? Like how stuff you were like, you were forbid to forbidden to listen to, like they end up liking later on in their life. It's really interesting because my mom's the same way. My mom was like, uh, I always remember listening to like War Pigs and you know, and you know, Satan laughing spreads his wings to be like, right, and zip. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> so we did that on the on that. So I turned it off real quick and then turned it back on. But yeah, man, I I grew up in a Irish Catholic family, man. So uh, I went to Catholic school, and I remember the whole thing when you know those kids killed themselves and they're blaming on Ozzy and whatnot. And I remember that I was in church one day, you know, because we had to go to church and school, and the the pastor's like, and those two kids committed suicide because of Ozzy Osbourne, and like every head in my eighth grade class just turned and looked <laughs> back at me in the pew, and I was like, cool, awesome, this will be a fun like next couple months of school you know what i mean like it was oh yeah uh, you know and, and the funny thing is too really there's you, if you really get an ozzy's career i mean ozzy didn't even really write many lyrics which is really funny he wasn't he wasn't a guy that was 
you know, encouraging people to commit suicide or anything like that. I think it's more, if you don't know, then you're miseducated and that's in anything, right? You know, and then when you do educate yourself, you realize like he's, he's, you know, besides, you know, the, the, uh, what am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, his excesses. Um, <laughs> he's, he's really he's not a bad guy by any means. And, and it's the image thing. And the image thing was huge in the eighties, man. And people, like you said, ran with it because, it was super, super important because MTV, as we know, like especially with your telling me, you know, MTV was really your your compass in terms of what you were going to listen to musically. You know, you didn't have a lot of the other stuff yet. So, I mean, MTV, the visual, I mean, really every band that was ugly pretty much died in 1981, 82. Like once they realized how important music videos were, the bands that weren't good looking dudes or good looking girls, it was like, see you later. And yeah, that's a shame too, because we missed out on a lot of good music, you know, but it very was very image conscious. So let's talk about this record. Um, there is 11 songs on this record and there's been reissues and there's a 30th anniversary reissue. So go figure. Um, I'm going to list the songs off real quick. Just like I did the last time we did with the Black Album. Uh, Mr. Tinker Train, I Don't Want to Change the World, Mom, I'm Coming Home, Desire, No More Tears. Um, I know it, yes, and you have the album cover. I know I'm reading it off of Spotify. Um, Won't Be Coming Home, which I know is as Sin, S-I-N. Um, right. I think they changed that because on my copy, I believe it was just Sin, S-I-N, and then they changed it. Um, Hellraiser, Time After Time, Zombie Stomp. Um, AVH and Road to Nowhere. So we got 11 songs on this. This is we're going back to the CD era, right? Where a lot, if you go back to the early Aussie records, there are eight songs, nine songs, oh, yeah. maybe. You know what I mean? Um, but then we get into the CD era. They, you know, because even no, even no rest is like nine songs. It's not. It's eight and a hidden. I mean, that's hidden. right. Hero was hidden. hidden. It's right? actually yep. eight album tracks. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is your first big Aussie record where you have eleven tracks. You know what I mean. Um, I also first heard "No More Tears," um, the song on MTV, and I just went, "Oh shit, cool!" Because I wasn't a really, I wasn't really big into No Rest. I thought No Rest was okay. I thought there were some good tunes, but it didn't grab me like you know the the beginning of no more tears i was like oh christ this this is probably gonna be a great record it was enough for me to buy it the day it came out right right and uh so here's a couple things i want to talk about because we're going to talk about this record like i i don't give a fuck like this is going to be one of those conversations me and you're going to butt heads okay right. i think we really are okay yeah. you ready you ready for this yeah i think it. i think this record was one of those records that i thought was probably his third best record after diary and blizzard i do not feel that way after re-listening to it i think this thing has aged horrendously i think that there's some classics like my mom coming home still is a, a great song no more tears still a great song road to nowhere still a great song i think this record honestly is a very like not strong verses, but very strong choruses, really interesting melodies and pre-choruses and choruses, verses not so much, and a lot of cringy stuff that just didn't hold up. That That's my take. I can't wait to go at you on this one because there's a lot of stuff on this record that I just go, 
You know, and Ozzy's kind of been that way, even though Ozzy doesn't write lyrics a lot. Honestly, Bob Daisley wrote a lot of lyrics. I think Bob wrote a decent amount of this record, which surprised the crap out of me, too. Um, but I just think it's, it, I don't know. It, I think a lot of the tempos are the same, and a lot of the songs have that same type of feel. Is another thing I noticed that I did not notice as a 17-year-old kid. Um, it had been a while since I listened to it. I mean, I couldn't tell you last time I listened to it straight through, right? right. Um, but I was really... I did not feel like this record held up at all. I felt like, like I felt like Mr. Tinker Train was cringy a lot. I felt like I don't want to change the world was kind of corny. But then, like the chorus and the bridge was was excellent. Um, I will say Zach plays his ass off on this record, and I feel like he's very comfortable on this record compared to No Rest. I feel like this is Zach's best playing on any Aussie record as a complete thought. Um, go ahead, let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I saw the face. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's not. You're not going to get a lot of argument about the cringy stuff. I mean, oh wow! Even even back in the day, I felt that way. Oh, um, okay, good. Like, um, for for example, Zombie Stomp could be deleted, and I would never miss it. I'm um, I'm, I'm with you, but then it has that like it has that interesting vocal melody stuff, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's uh, it's. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to say that it doesn't have some interesting stuff. I think um, you're you're right in a lot of ways about. Zach's, you know, performance on this album. Um, it's clear that he was uh, much more comfortable on this album than he was on No Rest. Yeah. And, um, you know, his his playing progressed significantly from No Rest. Um, but I think that he lyrically, you're absolutely right. I mean, just listening to uh, Tinker Train, um, if you break down what it is, it's um, it's about a child predator, you know? Yeah. And and it's that's really just weird the way a lot of that comes across, you know, sit on my knee. I've got toys that are man made and obscene. And you think, God, he's talking to a little girl. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's or, just or, not right. Or a boy, right? Or yeah, or a boy. I mean, say. either way. Yeah, he doesn't say. Um it's cringy, dude. Like Zombie Stomp is just a dumbass name for a song. I'm sorry. It's just when the lyrics are terrible. I mean, it, it's just terrible. It's just one of those things that just I don't there's a lot of it like it's it's I feel like it's a really hit or miss record, man. I feel like I feel Ozzy has a really good knack for vocal melodies. I really do. But I feel like this record I, I know it's gonna sound crazy. I know they had problems with this record. I know they had problems writing this record. I know that for a fact. I think the stuff that's strong is unbelievably strong. But oh, yeah. I feel like the stuff that's weak is really cringy weak. And I, I would agree with you going all the way back to Bark at the Moon. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. it started there, really. And, and to me, I, I always wrote off Bark at the Moon and uh, Ultimate Sin. It's kind of Ozzy's, and even No Rest, it's just Ozzy going through his um, heavy substance abuse and it just, it really, um, and losing Randy. You know? Oh yeah. Well, I mean that, that is what led to the substance abuse, but I mean, all of that just played into, um, just the, the highs and lows of the music. Um, he's always had that knack for writing the vocal medals. Yeah. And, and that's, that's his big contribution to all the songwriting that he's ever done is the vocal medals, um, or melodies rather. Um, Zach and uh, Randy Castillo wrote most of the music for this album. Um, you can tell just in, in a lot of the, a lot of the big drums, you know, that, that Randy yeah. brings to the songs. It's, yeah. it's really big across the entire album. And then um, a lot of reverb, it, but yeah, the sound is just huge on a lot of the drum sounds. 
Um, and, you know, Zach's tone, which I'm sure you'd want to get, you'll want to get into a little heavier later, but um, it's, um, it's the tone that he just, it's, it's a, a time and place tone for just this album. He sounds different than he did on No Rest. And yeah. when you move forward, every album he's done after that has sounded different. I agree. It's just, this is just a, a single album tone. And it, if you listen to Live and Loud, following right up on that, you'll hear some of that um, replicated, but even between just the recording of the album and the tours, he tweaked the tone and made things sound different and just fuller and not quite as tinny and um, I agree. I agree. I agree. Pitchy. There's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reverb on his guitar tone on that record too. And I think 91 is an interesting year because it's like, I love doing this show that, you know, basically the 30 year anniversary of 91, because there's a lot of great records, but even that Pearl Jam record, Pearl Jam 10 is reverb soaked to death. And when they did that remaster of it, remix, it, yeah, it's amazing how much better it sounded, you know, when they took all that reverb off, I think, um, I think that's what his tone suffers from is, is, is there's too much reverb on his tone for like the heavier rhythm stuff for me. And you are right. This, this is like, you know, no rest is interesting because no rest. You can tell he, he doesn't have a tone and then you can tell no more tears is better, but then you can tell you're right. As it goes on further, you can tell Zach just kind of gets, gets his tone and what he is happy with. You can definitely tell that. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, this is an interesting one, man. There's, there's, I mean, looking at this record and I listened today, you know, and uh, I didn't listen to Hellraiser just because it's a, it's a good song. And, you know, it's, and Lemmy wrote, you know, co wrote a couple songs on this record. And, 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 and this record actually helped Lemmy tremendously in terms See, of songwriting credits. I, I got a story about that, actually. Please you bring do. up, you bring up Hellraiser. Um, you remember in downtown Reno, was it on uh, 2nd Street, the old AMC 2 theater that they had down yeah. there, the little two-screen place that they had? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I went to two movies there the, when it was open when we were in college. The first one I went to was Aladdin, which I went with a couple of people from the dorm. And the other one I went to was Hellraiser 3. Okay. And I, I had watched the first two Hellraiser films, you know, on like USA up all night when I was a kid. And I was like, <laughs> that's awesome. With, 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 with uh, Rhonda, with Rhonda Shear <laughs> all night. <laughs> and um, I decided, you know, on my own random, Hey, look, I'm old enough. I'm 17. Now I can go, you know, sit down and watch Hellraiser movie in the theater. And I went and watched it and hearing, I, I want to say it was over the end credits hearing Hellraiser play. And I'm like, who is this? What, what is this just, cover who did hellraiser again that's an aussie song what's what's this doing oh here? with lemmy doing it yeah and it was motorhead's version of that yeah and and i listened to it all the way through and i i watched the uh the end credits and saw that it was motorhead's version and and that it was written by ozzy and zach and uh i want to say it was uh basically had a part in that too but lemmy was a co-writer on that and i'm like yeah. lemmy co and it made me go back to the album and look at the songwriting credits and realize that oh my god he wrote he co-wrote um a couple of songs i don't want to change the world it was the other one didn't he do and mom mom i'm coming home too maybe it was it mama um you got mom, it right in front of you i do and i'm <laughs> i'm looking right now excuse me I, I will give you the jeopardy music while i do that do 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 do, do. Uh, he co-wrote i don't want to change the world and uh, he also co-wrote mom i'm coming home yeah. and desire so, wow I mean, four songs on that he co-wrote six actually and, and this part i remember 
uh, from my research is that he co-wrote six. Um, one of them showed up on a, a later uh, remaster, re-release box set someplace, but there's one that still hasn't seen the light of day. And it'd be interesting to hear that. And one of these Well, especially after he passed, you know what I mean? I'm surprised Sharon's not cashing in on that. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, really telling the truth in a way. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because I mean that record sold I think five six million copies, so good on Lenny, you know, Lemmy for you know basically, you know I mean and, right. and honestly, Mama I'm coming home is one of Ozzy's better tunes, you know, um, post Randy for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting record, man. It was one of those ones that I was trying to wrap my head around. Um, you made the face when I said Zach's best playing. And, and see, that's the thing though, um, Zach to me. Uh, the thing about No More Tears is if you listen to it and, and you, you know what you're listening for, you can hear a lot of seeds planted on this album, not just for Ozzy and, and various themes that he has in his lyrics and stuff moving forward, things um, about being a dreamer, about um, he goes back to the crazy well a lot on this album. If you yes, listen he does. to the lyrics and that's become a almost a cliche uh, he's, he's become almost a parody of himself as he's moved, you know, through yeah. later records where just everything's yeah. got to be crazy, this crazy, that. And yeah. it started, it really started here. Well, it started, I guess, on no rest with crazy babies, but I mean, it just, or, or, or crazy train. Hello. Well, no, I mean, it, that was, <laughs> I know what you mean though. I'm messing with you. I know. What <laughs> Jesus. You mean. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's where the head butting begins. And I didn't do it, <laughs> but I'm, uh, you know, moving forward, you see a lot of that lyrically for him. But you also, in Zach's playing and, and Zach's songwriting, he's um, this album is a lot more um, acoustic-based than I had initially expected when I heard No More Tears. A lot of ballads. And, uh, well, not only the ballads, but, I mean, just um, AVH, for example, has that little acoustic slide intro. And yeah. um, there's just there's a few other spots that you hear just acoustics kind of mixed in here and there. Um, on uh, I Don't Want to Change the World, that little yep. breakdown section in the middle, you hear it in the background. Yep. I mean, obviously, Mama, I'm Coming Home is acoustic-based. Yep. Um, and just you can tell in just a lot of the things that he uh, wrote, he likely wrote it on an acoustic, um, just with the, a lot of the alternate pickings and a lot of uh, just the phrasings and stuff that he uses with the open strings and, and things like that. It, it sounds like, to me, in my ears, like he would have written it on an acoustic I, to begin I don't, with. I don't disagree with you, man. And I also think for some reason he spent like time in georgia like first in nine months before the record came out or something because like we trust me man you know i don't know what what happened but you know i'm from new jersey he's from new jersey like he doesn't sound like he's from new jersey on that record by any means whatsoever um it, it, you see a lot more of that southern southern rock southern type of vibe on the record too which you did not yeah. totally hear you heard a little bit of an unrest, but like it's saturated on this record and that's absolutely true. And, you know, a lot of his stuff, um, at least on this album, is just kind of blues based. And, yeah. and you can tell in, in just a lot of his songwriting, his soloing, things like that. There's just a lot of a lot of bluesy kind of Southern rock stuff. And then you look at his next project post um, Retirement Sucks Tour or uh, post uh, No More Tours, rather. Um, he, his first project after that was Pride and Glory. And he goes out uh, and writes. I got, he goes I got out it. and he writes that. I got. I got. I got to stop you there. It was, it was Leonard Skinhead first. Okay. Did they do? <laughs> did they release an album? No, they didn't. But that was his first project before that. 
Okay. Uh, the first album then. <laughs> first album. You're right. No, you're post, right on that. Post No More Tours was Pride and Glory. And that's, and that's where. Oh, so the, Southern. So Southern. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it's Southern Pride. And then Did he you... goes back to his hard rock roots, his metal roots with um, BLS. And that's yeah, where yeah. he's been ever since. Did you and see that tour? Did you see did you see him play with uh Nugent and Skinner at the at the Hilton outdoors? Nope. The first time I ever saw Zach play, and this is a sore spot for me, which um thank you for opening this wound. Um <laughs> the first um first time I ever saw him play was on Ozfest when he opened for um opened the show, opened the set as black label oh. and never and never played with Ozzy. The first time I saw Ozzy play was uh, it was April 16th of 96 at Thomas and Mac. And I told my buddy, Chris Otto, I'd give him a shout out on this spot if I get a chance to. Right. He, he went with me to Metallica show at uh, Sam Boyd. And he went with me to the Retirement Sucks tour with Joe Holmes. And I know how much I, you I like was, Joe Holmes. Oh, he's, yeah, he's my <laughs> absolute all-time favorite Ozzy guitarist. <laughs> Student of uh, Randy, by the way, did you know that? I did know that, but um, I also know that he uh, <laughs> he got fired on stage, which was uh, <laughs> something that you and I will talk about all, all the time. Um, really super talented guy, but it just, I always was bummed that I didn't get to see Zach play with Ozzy. Right. Because again, this, this No More Tears is my gateway to Ozzy, and just seeing Zach play with Ozzy would have been huge for me. Um, my first, uh, he was an influence, a huge influence on me picking up the guitar. My first tab book ever was the No More Tears tab book. Right. And it really got me into um, not just, you know, like pinch harmonics, trying to figure out how he's you know doing all the squeals and noises and stuff that he does all over this album, but also um, alternate picking and picking across chords and, and doing all the different little things that he does throughout the songs. Um, if you look at the rhythm sections, some of them are really intricate as far as just the alternate pickings and, and moving around just chord structures and shapes. And I didn't know what any of that was. All I knew is that that sounds cool. I want to learn how to play that. Right. Right. And, and I picked it up and it, it that really got me into it. And um, because of that, I always have a, I have a great respect for Zach's playing and his ability. And I always wanted to see him play with Ozzy because this was the album. This was the thing man. it got me into it. And I'm wearing my No More Tours Volume 2 concert shirt for a show that never happened here in Vegas that I had tickets to. I bought this shirt off of Ozzy's website on clearance because he was blowing them out because COVID canceled the rest of that tour. Right. And he was supposed to play here. I had tickets. I was ready to go. And I didn't get to see it. It's, like the, was, it's like the curse it, of you not getting to see Zach with Ozzy. Oh, yeah. Every time I had a ticket to go see Ozzy play with Zach, something happened. Like I had a ticket to go see him in Nashville in 2002 or 2003. And that's when he had the ATV accident and canceled that tour. And Zach was playing guitar on that one. And there's just, there's been a few times over the years that he's been back playing with Zach and I'm really super excited. And it seems like if I buy a ticket, something happens to Ozzy. This last one, um, something happened to the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, and then something happened to Ozzy because he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and says he's not touring again. So, right. I mean, it just, I, I was cursed to never see Zach and Ozzy play together. Aside from, you know, on the same bill, on the same tour on Ozfest, you know, a few times, but never on the same stage together. I tell you, man, 
you're not missing much in a way. I hate to say it. I love Ozzy, but his voice is just not there anymore. And they're tuned to like Q sharp now. <laughs> I mean, I remember the last time I saw Ozzy and Zach play, I literally went with, I went with Tony from Dirt Communion and, you know, the 900,000 bands Tony's played in. And uh, great guitar player, great songwriter, record label owner, put out my new record. Shout out to Tomark Studios, um, or Sounds, excuse me. Um, it, and it's like we both looked at each other and we're like, what song are they playing right now? And we're like huge Aussie fans. We're like, oh, okay, it's it's that one. Like we had no idea. Like it was that low. I mean, it was easily, I want to say it was two steps down, dude. I at, least, at least a step and a half. At least a step what? and a half. When you and I went and saw him at the Reno Event Center and uh, Gus G was playing, same thing. We yeah. both remarked about how just tuned down and just ridiculously low they were. Yeah. And and that was, um, I don't know if that was before or after uh, you went and saw. Maybe Tony. it was, maybe, maybe I was with my buddy Tony and you. Maybe the three of us went to that we, show together. We, yeah, it might have been. But but it was so like tuned down, lo- and it was just a shame. I mean, I, I'm a huge Aussie guy, dude. I mean, Sabbath's one of my favorite bands of all time. Randy Rhodes is so important to me as a guitar player. You know, I, I just, I hold those two first two records up on a pedestal. I mean, Randy's, Randy's songwriting was amazing. Um, but yeah, this record was one that surprised me. I definitely, I'm knocking it down my list of where it goes for Ozzy albums for me. It's definitely, and I'll tell you right now, re-give Bark of the Moon a chance. Moot's got me thinking about bark of the moon again and i and i really listen to that record again it's not as bad as you think so tired needs to just be disappeared <laughs> yeah like that's, be so gone. that's that's so it's such a bad song um or it's not even a bad song it's just such not a, an aussie song but that record's a lot better than you might think if that makes sense uh, and you know because no more tears was my gateway it's led me to revisit a whole bunch of you know all of ozzy's back catalog and sabbath stuff and all of his solo stuff. And you're right. I, I gained a, a much better appreciation for both Bark at the Moon and Ultimate Sin, as well as for Jake E. Lee as a guitarist. Oh, Jake just um, kills, bro. He's so he, he underrated. Shreds. He's so yeah. underrated. I mean, he's Without a question. monster. Um, you got a favorite song on the record? Um, well, we'll do like we did with Metallica. And I'll talk about the the one I had back in 90, 91 when I got the album. Okay. Because... Um, Sorry, mom, but I snuck off and got uh, no more tears. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so good. Yeah, I, I, hi, mom. I bet you your mom's gonna listen to this. So, hi, mom. Mom does listen to it. She enjoyed the first one, and she wanted to give awesome. a shout out to Eric. So, sorry for the cursing, mom. <laughs> if she didn't know you, she'd probably be offended. <laughs> okay, good, good. Okay, so so in '91, when you snuck off to get the record, what was the what was your favorite tune? Mom, I'm coming home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that seemed to me like that was everybody's favorite. And it's because ballads were the thing, man. Back in 91, if you didn't have a ballad on your record, you weren't going to sell much. Yeah, and that's a great point. You got into the rotation with the ballad, and you know they wrote a really good one for this album. I, I still really love My Mom Coming Home. And actually, um, you know, talking about educating our parents about music, this was the gateway to, for my mom to get into. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because she would hear me practicing the, the intro and the um, just the – um, just the acoustic part. Um, she would hear me practicing it and she'd really enjoy it. She said, what song is that? Who was that? And I, I love to... when you do that and you go, oh, it's Ozzy, mom. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> right. <laughs> I even I even at one point explained the whole Satan laughing spreads his wings part and uh, in uh, Warpigs to mom. And she understood that. And she was like, oh, 
Well, I guess that's not as bad as I thought it was. Ah, that's awesome. Good for your mom. For Good 20 for years. Oh, God. Uh, no, don't even start. <laughs> I don't think my mom – my mom doesn't know how to push play on, on, on something on a phone, so she probably never listened to this, but – Good Lord, my mom was the worst with that stuff. So, so Mom, I'm coming home is is your tune thirty years ago, right? And then, and, and today, it's it's still it's no more tears. I mean, to me, what else could it be? Because just everything that grabbed me back then still grabs me now. Yeah, it's one of Zach's best solos. On oh, hands down, any any song that he's ever done. I totally um, agree. I w- I would put um, maybe the Perry Mason solo up against this because that's another one that I Great absolutely solo. love. Great I solo. love that solo. Um, Miracle Man. Miracle Man's another good one. Fire yeah, in the Sky's another good one too. I like early Zach. Like I, no yeah, offense, dude. and if, if I ever get Zach on a pod, he's probably going to be like, "Yo, brother," and like get all pissed off at me. But I, I really feel like Zach's. I feel like he was very creative early on, and it's very hard to still be creative album after album after album not gonna lie about that as a soloist right when you're playing solos creating solos playing over a certain genre of music it's not easy to you know create something new every single time but i feel like those first couple ozzy records he really was very creative this is where zach established his bag of tricks and he's gone back to the well every album he's written since then yeah just yeah. a lot a lot of the things that he does on no rest no more tears and osmosis on those albums he he just revisits those a lot but not anywhere near as good it's more like speed like it's more well, it's too speed for me now too many pinch harmonics like i i don't i mean dude i like you got to remember man i grew up in new jersey like we were all rooting for zach you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Just like we were rooting for the Skid Row guys, and and you know, like you're you're a Jersey guy, and you like rock, you know, like you're forced to like Bon Jovi, you're forced to like Springsteen because they're fucking Jersey guys, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. So you root for all, every Jersey guy except for Trickster, um, but <laughs> you know that. I mean, I'm joking about Trickster. Right? I was never into Trickster, but um, Steve Brown can freaking play guitar. But um, you, I was rooting for Zach. So you know, I remember getting Miracle Man um, in Guitar for the Practicing Musician and working on that and just being like, yeah, no, no, not yet. <laughs> like, it's just, just knowing, right. no, not yet. But I feel like, you know, I feel like these two albums, man, that one and and, uh, and No More Tears, his playing is just, it's creative. It's really, really cool. There's a lot of feel. And I feel like the I feel like the speed's taken over for the feel a lot. And I don't listen to a ton of Zach stuff, so I apologize, Zach, if the new shit's badass. And honestly, I heard a new song, a new BLS song, where he's got that other guitar player, uh, Dario, playing with him, and he's letting Dario play some leads and stuff. And I heard one song, I was like, all right, man, this is actually some pretty damn good guitar playing. I'm I'm into it. But um, yeah, I just I don't know, man. I I feel like I feel like No More Tears is definitely a song I would think probably would be my favorite on this record um i really liked road to nowhere though yeah i'm a big fan of road to nowhere road to nowhere was one of those tunes i think you know i think for me mama coming home got so overplayed and road to nowhere was one of those tunes that i don't know it's a great tune i feel like i feel like they put a lot of effort into like you said the metallica black album thing right i felt like the ballady I felt like the ballady stuff was the the central focus of this record. Like time after time is another one of those ones that 
It's a good tune, you know, it, it, but it's a ballad. There's three strong ballads on this on this album, really. If you think about it, I think all three of those were singles too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you know? they they weren't formally released, but um, like the only two formally released singles were "No More Tears" and "Mama." But uh, the "Time After Time" and "Road to Nowhere" and uh, actually "Tinker Train." I'll have uh, videos. Yeah, yeah, and I don't want to change the world's another one, but that one got more play on. Uh, the live version on uh, live and loud. I remember that. I remember which, that. Yeah. You know, that was his only Grammy win. I did not know that. If you listen to the Tom Gordon episode, ladies and gentlemen who are listening right now, Tom has a great story about how Tom almost prevented live at loud going, going out to be released, which is really cool. I'm not going to give it away. You got to go back and listen to the Tom Gordon episode, but it's, it's pretty damn funny. He's got some pretty good Aussie stories. Um, I did not know that, and that's that's not surprising though with how bizarre the Grammys are, right? For metal, yeah, it's not surprising. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean Metallica and uh, Jethro Tull, it's not surprising. You know what I mean? Um, Zombie Stomp, the worst song for you on this record? Um, yeah, it's that's total filler to me. Um, I mean, just between the you know, there's a two and a half minute intro like an instrumental intro to that song it's it's over five and a half minutes the song itself and two and a half of that is just the opening um are you kidding i did no. not know it went that long wow yeah it's it's insane it's super and, it's super dated you know what i mean when you hear it yeah. it's super it's almost like it's almost like ozzy trying to sound like like the beginning of rocket queen you know what i mean like that yeah. bassy like Type, type of groovy it's not working like what are you doing um there's a lot of that what are you doing on this record like we talked about the cringy part of it but then there's also the what are you doing part of the record i know that sounds funny to say but like this the the slide guitar stuff in the beginning of avh it's like what are you doing like it's not really it doesn't make sense there's a lot of for the problem i have with this record where i like i said i thought it was number three for me it's definitely not number three anymore I, I almost go Diary, Blizzard, and Bark are my top three now. Um, it, there's a lot of stuff in this record that I just don't understand. Where I'm like, how do you write a song and go, yeah, this is really good. And, and, and there's a lot of that on this record where it's almost like it's almost like they weren't getting along. Or I know they had problems writing the song. And they were like, I know they brought Daisley in to help write the album. But it's like there's points where you're like, I don't want to change the world has awful. I'm sorry. The verses are awful. I just, I, they're awful. But that fucking bridge is really good. Oh, yeah. Like the bridge is really good. And then you have this like, this Leonard Skinner solo that doesn't fit the tune, but like is cool. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like it's very yeah. like disjointed. And I, I don't remember it being this disjointed as a kid and listen, re listening to it with, you know, I mean, you know, 30 plus years of being a musician, it was like, man, I don't get this record. Desires like that for me, like desire the verses or whatever, the choruses are really strong. Like the thing about desire, I, I don't mean to cut you off there, but no, I do. The desire is to me, that was written to be a live track that was meant to be played live. And, and when you listen to like live and loud, you can just, you can hear and you can feel the energy on that particular song. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's right there. Just, did to you, me, the album version is just, it's weak compared to when they play it live. Did you catch that vibe that I was talking about earlier in the pod where a lot of the rocker type of songs are just not, 
they all kind of sound the same. Did you catch yeah. that vibe? I mean, I don't consider as dumb as this is going to sound. I don't consider, and I sound like a, I sound fucking cringy saying rocker, um, but like, but but like, I don't consider no more tears that like up tempo type of song. I don't play, I don't place in that. But like, I don't want to change the world. Desire, like a lot of these tunes, you know, are are in that same place, where it's like even the the um, extra tracks. If you've heard them, don't blame me. Party with the animals. Right. They sound like it's this. It's almost like they just ran the click and they're like, "All right, let's write the song to this tempo." Like these are, these are going to be the songs that rock. Let the, they stay at this tempo. It was very, it was interesting, man. It was very like I can't place what it sounds like to me, but they definitely did a one eighty from No Rest. You know it's, what I mean? To me, it, it feels like a lot of the songwriting just musically. It was. Um, Zach found something that he was really interested in. Yeah. Something that he really liked during that period. And, you know, he would just play it and, you know, they'd tape it and, man, that's good. Let's do something with that. Oh, that's another great idea. Let's do something with that. Yeah. And it's a, it's a lot of ideas that are fleshed out in directions that maybe they shouldn't have gone in or that maybe um, could have gone in better directions. But you, you can tell you know, what his influences were as far yes. as, you know, he was yes. getting into the Southern music. You, you could tell that he was um, playing around with a lot of bluesy, you know, kind of feel in his, in his uh, solos. Some of that is to the, the great benefit of these songs where you can feel that there's a lot of room to breathe in his solos. Yep. And it's just not the note fest that a lot of his later stuff has become. And you can, on, on his, uh, his acoustic albums, um, you can hear a lot of that room to breathe in a lot of that too. He doesn't just go crazy on the solos and, and just, you know, playing fast for fast playing sake. And let's just see how many notes I can record before it turns into a blur. It, it just, his playing when it's given room to just breathe and be, and just when there's just a space for him, space for his notes to, you know, give their message and, and to, to tell the story that he's trying to tell without just, you know, seeing how fast he can do it, it makes a huge difference. And you got, you got some of that on no rest because, you know, it's, but because it was his first run at really making a big album and he's, you know, so young and just eyes are wide. It's just, I'm going to, he just kind of sticks close to home and plays safe. And this is, you know, some of the basics that he does in soloing shows up on the album. So, and, and a lot of those, they sound a little bit more basic than what you hear coming later. He gets more room to to flesh it out and to to just play it out on this album. Yeah, you make great points. The other thing I'm thinking about too is like, do you feel like there was pressure for them to write on this record? Because you have eleven tunes, so you get more of the pressure to write the longer record, okay? Do you feel like and I think we're gonna agree on this again, just like we did on the on the black record, do you feel like this is a great eight song record? And not an eleven it, song record. Yeah, I think it would have been a, a much better eight or nine song album than yeah. an eleven song album. It would have tightened it up a lot, and you know, I I think that you're absolutely spot on when you say that it feels like they are under pressure to write something and write more. But I also think I remember I remember hearing a story, and I can't source it. I don't remember where I heard it, but I want to say that they were under studio pressure because uh, No Rest underperformed. Yes, that that they were expecting a lot more to come out of that. And then um, Ozzy gets sober 
and a big deal was made out of that. You know, Ozzy's, you know, writing this album, he's getting sober and, you know, it's almost a comeback album. I mean, No Rest was a big album. And then this was, you know, positioned as this is Ozzy making a comeback. It's like, that's just, that's really strange to me. But you know what though? No Rest wasn't a big record. It was a pretty bad seller in his catalog. I remember, I remember Miracle Man was, was pretty solid, but then that thing lost its legs right after that song, essentially. Even though there's great, I mean, Breaking All the Rules is a great tune. Fire in the Sky is a great tune. There's some good stuff on there. Releasing Crazy Babies as the second single was probably a mistake. They didn't, then they did Breaking All the Rules, but that might have been too late. That record didn't perform. So, so I think the studio pressure, you're, you're right. Read wherever you read it, you're right on that. And I think, uh, I think it shows because the more we analyze this record, the more it does kind of feel sort of forced. And I almost feel like this might be crazy. This might be the songwriter in me. Like, what if Zach has just staring at the songs? What if Zach has Mom, I'm coming home, right? He's got, um, and, Le- and we got, we got Lemmy in the mix, right? But who knows what Lemmy wrote? If maybe Lemmy wrote lyrics, but not music itself. Okay. Uh, if I if I recall correctly, he was uh, lyricist on okay on the songs that he was writing. So let let's play devil's advocate. Let's just let's just kick this idea around. What if Zach's got Mama, I'm coming home, no more tears, time after time, and Road to Nowhere. And they're like, you don't have any real rock rock type songs. Like we need more rock songs. And then they're trying to put together these rock songs. And that's why a lot of them sound the same, maybe. I know it's a far-fetched, maybe, kick around, but it just seems like, I don't know, man. When I listened to it with fresh ears today for the first time in a long time straight through, I mean, God knows I've heard some of these songs way too much, and I've played some of these songs, too. It just felt like these songs sound way too much alike, tempo-wise, way too much guitar intro-y, same type of thing. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just... It was disappointing re-listening to you, and I'll tell you that much because I really enjoyed this album when it came out. But now I'm thinking maybe I really just enjoyed like five tunes off this record a lot, and just kind of when I was playing Tecmo Bowl, wasn't really keen in onto the other songs as much. Like you know what I mean? Like you know when you play video games and and you're doing other stuff or cutting lawns or whatever the hell you're doing with your Walkman, you're not switching through the song, but maybe you're yeah. just kind of like you know just kind of air flighting over the one song where you're not really like focused on, oh, here's another song I like, that type of vibe. I think I think that's what happened to me on this record, man. I, I don't think I don't think I like this record as much as I thought I did. It's like Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden is a perfect example of a record that is unbelievably overrated and people fucking lose their minds for me just saying that. But it has probably three of Iron Maiden's biggest songs, but there's a lot of filler on that record compared to the other stuff they put out. And I feel like this record kind of does that too. And and you're right in a lot of ways. I think that, you know, it, it would be a, a much tighter album if you dropped, you know, two, three, maybe even four songs and added something else back in maybe, or had them write another song that would have fit in a little bit better or uh, was it more of a contrast to some of the stuff that just kind of runs together. And I think it suffers um, in a lot of ways the same way the Black Album did with, you know, especially side B, once, you know, time after time is over, then the next two songs, um, I like ABH. I don't care for Zombie Stump, but it's, it's, you could mash them up and, you know, what are you, what are you really changing there? Yeah. Um, 
aside from a slide guitar entry and uh, the slide guitar intro, um, I think it just kind of plays in thematically with the uh, riding on a train I can't control, slide guitar, train, uh, just symbolisms. Yeah. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's Zach. I mean, that, that no, was what, he was, you, that's what I, he was into. I don't think you are, man. I think, I think you're on point on this, man. If we're talking about this record and we're grading it, I'm looking at the Spotify top 10 Aussie songs and uh, two of the biggest Aussie songs played wise are Mama, I'm Coming Home and No More Tears. Um, obviously, Crazy Train's number one. Crowley's number seven. Shot in the Dark's up there. Uh, a surprising one is Under the Graveyard's number 10. And that, to me, to me, there's a whole new audience for Ozzy right now because he's that guy that played with Post Malone. He's that guy that yeah. played with Travis Scott. And that's where, point, under, that's where Under the Graveyard is getting so much play because, hey, man, that's that old dude that was up on stage with you know, Post Malone and Travis Scott at the award show. And, and um, that isn't a bad song, by the way. No, it's but, not a bad song. I've taught it. It's not a bad song whatsoever. I mean, it's, I wasn't really hip on the solo. And I think with Ozzy, really, you got to bring it when you're when you're soloing on the on i mean there's certain bands where you're expected to bring it you know what i mean and i don't feel like it was brought on that song but honestly songwriting wise it's not a bad song i'm not gonna lie uh, to be fair it was the producer that played guitar on that. oh i know so yeah the well producer the producer needs the to make a fucking phone call and say <laughs> hey yo gus g or hey yo somebody exactly. hey john five hey you know what i mean like call hey, somebody john in and you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm gonna hate myself for saying this, but hey, Joe Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> Bring somebody in that's a ringer, man. Bring somebody in that could kill it, knowing what what an Aussie solo should be. That's my point on that. But yeah. going back, going back to No More Tears, because that's where we're at with this conversation. Where do you I'm not gonna say where do you rank it, okay? But grade wise, what do you give it? You know. This is another one of those things that for me is a time and place album. It's a gateway. It's always going to be special to me. It's always going to probably mean more to me than to, you know, a lot of other people who are just listening with different ears and, you know, had different experiences with this album. Um, because it means just, you know, so much to my musical development as far mm -hmm. as, you know, playing, listening, all of that. Um, as an album, it's, a C as something important to me, it's an A. I like it, dude. I respect the hell out of that because you didn't you didn't give it a higher grade than it deserves because of that stuff, but you explain why it's an A and why it's a C musically. A plus, brother. I love that. Um and we're right in that same ballpark, dude. Uh I'd give it a C to a C plus. Um because the songs that are strong are really strong. Yeah, but the songs that are 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 bad are bad, and and yeah, I, I I there's sentimental value to me. I felt like it was a much better record than No Rest, but you know what's kind of cool? I don't know if it is or not. I got to go back and listen to No Rest, but I have a feeling it's better than No Rest. Um, just uh, I'll, I'll spoil about, that for you. It is. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I have Blood Bath and Paradise in my head, and I just go, that's not a good song, and, right? You know, there's it. It's a shame. Like, I don't think there's any filler on the first two Aussie records. Maybe no bone movies. 
Um, I, I'm always, I always thought you looking at me, looking at you should have been on instead of no bone movies. They, they dropped the fucking ball there, but uh, on those first two Aussie records, it's just almost perfection, man. I mean, everything's great on those two records. And I feel like as things went on, there was decisions maybe because of how popular he became with Randy on those first two records. But, uh, yeah, I can't, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say C plus and, um, you know, it's got sentimental value to me too, man, because I remember trying to learn some songs off this record. I, Zach's a Jersey guy, dude. You know, he taught like 20 minutes from my house. I mean, you know, I always root for the Jersey guys. And, uh, you know, I, I remember ride, you know, taking a drive in my car to Sam Goody to buy it and just being a broke-ass kid and being like, okay, I can afford two records. Which ones do I want to buy? And, you know, so there's sentimental value there for sure. But, yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go C+. And that's fair. And I would make it going back real quick. I would make it a, I make it an eight song record, man. I mean, I would get rid of, I would get rid of Zombie Stomp. I get rid of AVH, and I would get rid of Mr. Tinker Train. Those are the three I get rid of. And I would have to, I'd have to go with a nine song, and uh, only saying leave tinker train in just because it's just the iconic opening that's what i've lived with for the last 30 yeah. years and that and i would i couldn't imagine the song the, the album starting on anything except maybe Sin. no more tears no nah, you can't oh that. start oh. that on no more tears are you kidding me that no 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 you can't do that that's oh my you gotta God. you gotta build to that you gotta yeah no you're that. right because because that's the pinnacle of the record in my opinion yeah yeah you're right. no, maybe you... the, the only other song that it could start the album with would be desire desire too ah, again that's more of a but it's not strong that, yeah dude it, it's that, that you see the problems i'm having with the record right desire picks you up after no more tears and it's to you know get you back into something you know heavier and stronger and and moving forward um sin has you know a little bit of a softer intro it's a great song to start off side b yeah and that's the only thing that i could think of that would you know maybe take the tinker train spot if you're going to get rid of tinker train but just it's just so iconic to me that it has to, and, has to stay there and this is two old guys who still respect putting songs in order on a record because we listen to it all the way down not like let's grab this song off itunes or the song off spotify it does make a difference it was the hardest thing i had to do with my new record is figure out hey how do i put these songs in the order that makes the record flow and that is something that isn't talked about enough which i think is important um you know for example like you know running with the devil i mean yeah. god damn that's a great opener you know Absolutely. i'm on a van halen cake lick lately mean streets opener fucking just so good. oh yeah i mean there's so many there's so many important songs hell's bell uh, not hell's bells um hell's bells aside too right um hold on i'm gonna pull that up real quick because that's gonna yes that's gonna drop modify that my album's downstairs. I don't have it with me. <laughs> See, that's why you have Spotify. Um, that's why you have Spotify. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, Hell's Bell starts the record off. And that's a great... That's right, because Back in Black is side two. Yeah. Hell's Bells. I mean, what a fucking great way to start that record. And, you know, it's it's thinking about where do you go from there? Like, what do you? how do you put a record together? I mean, it's... Right. It makes a difference, man. It makes it's a lost art. I mean, it really is. It, re it, it, it completely is. Any last thoughts on this record? Um, obviously we talked a lot about it, you know, like I said, dude, you got rave reviews. So, um, 
I'm glad you came back on for this one because I knew you'd have fun with this record. I got to see if I can get Vinny on for the Use Your Illusion records. Uh, <laughs> please. Except, please he would, except he would just be like, Stang, everything's great. The end. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would be, be like a 30-second podcast. But shortest podcast ever. <laughs> any, anything else you, you, you want to say about this record before I let you out? Um, you know, I've, I've seen Ozzy more times than any other band live. Um, I've seen him perform songs off of this album for you know, the last 25 years now. And I, I, they hold up live, maybe not so much on this particular album. Then again, I have the, the 95 remaster. I don't have one of the later remasters. And it'd be interesting to go back and see what they did differently on the 30th anniversary. Um, because maybe it'll change the way we feel about it because maybe they pulled some of the reverb out. I, I, no, no, no. I, I listened to the 30th anniversary. Did you? Yeah, I don't think they did much, to be honest with you, because there's a shitload of reverb on the 30th anniversary. So, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll never listen to is the 2002 remaster where they pulled out uh, Daisley and uh, Chris Lake. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, and fucked out. Replaced them. With it's Trujillo so and, uh, obvious that it's. You want to talk about ripping the heart and soul out of two records? Yeah, and they're great players because it's Trujillo and uh, Trevor from Faith to More Borden. Yeah. I mean, they're great players, but dude, they just don't. Yeah, you should never it's, do that. You should it's never so hard that. to go back and try to recapture, you know, a, a moment because that's what it is. On those classic albums, those are moments that are captured. It's not, you know, a performance that you can duplicate and replicate. Well, think about yeah. if they're not playing to a click, how much fucking harder it would be, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, and you, you just you're not going to ever, you're not going to ever duplicate the same feel. And no, that's what it comes down to. You just you're can't. Not. You're not. It's not. I hate when shit like that happens, man. Um, I hate I'm glad it. they. I'm glad they got rid of all that crap in the 2011 remaster. Me, but me too. Me too. Um, I just I haven't any use for the 2002 versions, and I'm glad they kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we did the show today, man. And it was really interesting because I thought we were gonna really butt heads on this, but we didn't at all. Well, really? we didn't really get into we didn't really get into Zach versus Randy, and that's that's probably for the best. Oh God! Um, Were you going to go down that route? No, 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 no. no. Okay, wow. No, I was. I was going to talk about how Zach was first. <laughs> I was going to say, "Holy shit, dude!" Not, not necessarily best. Well, but... he, you know what? Here's a scary one. You ready for this? Here's a scary one, and I will get crucified for this. As I get older, Jake gets closer to Randy for me. I'm glad you saved that for the end because you'd have had some people turning you off. Dude, I they turned me off in the first two minutes, but I'm telling you right now, man, I love Randy more. He's my favorite guitar player in Ozzy. Jake didn't get the fair shake whatsoever. The songwriting is not on par. I promise you that. His fucking lead playing on those two records, if you go back and listen to just the leads, dude, he is the leads, Joe. I'm calling about the leads. <laughs> just all about the leads, Joe. I'm telling you right now, man. Freaking Jakey Lee, bro. And I got to meet him a couple years ago. Super cool cat. Um, paid way too much for a ticket to meet him and sit in the front row to watch him play. Uh, dude, I'll tell you what, man. He kills on those on those Aussie records he plays on. I promise you. It Go back and really listen to how, how great he plays on those records. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about No More Tears. The only other thing I got about No More Tears. Yes, is, please. It's, you, you were talking about uh, comparison with uh, No Rest. I challenge you to compare it to Osmosis. 
That's a wait, record wait, to me. Wait, compare to, no more compare tears to osmosis. No more tears to osmosis now. Okay. In, in retrospect. Okay. And, and see, you know, because we're 26 years on from that album. And just see how much different it is. Just how, how many uh, changes were made moving forward. Not just, you know, personnel-wise, but... Is that the one Steve Vai co-wrote a couple songs for? Yeah, he co-wrote um, several songs. The only one that uh, remained was My Little Man, and Zach actually re-recorded it. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, he but, didn't play on the record. Right, right. But yeah. just, just hearing a lot of those songs compared to the stuff that's on No More Tears, listen to the filler songs versus the filler songs and the killer songs versus the killer songs. I'm excited to do that. Um, Who is the personnel on that record? Um. It was uh, Zach playing all the guitars. It was um, it was a blast. It was Butler. Oh, Butler, Butler was bass. playing bass. Okay, cool. And cool. it was uh, Dean Castronovo on drums. Okay. It was, it was the only album that Castronovo and Butler played on during uh, Ozzy's solo run. And is that is that I'm so bad with Ozzy after basically after No More Tears. I'm not gonna lie. Um, is that Perry Mason? Yeah. Yeah. The, the very next album. Great fucking tone on that song. Absolutely. Great that whole, tone on that song. That whole album is severely underrated to me. Um, I love that album. And listening to it, you'll hear just the steps up in production alone. Okay, hold no. on one second. While well, I got you on this call and everybody's probably stopped listening to us by now, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull that up and look at the track listing real quick because I'm, I'm really interested in... Uh... Is there an underrated song while, we're st- while I still got you on here? Is there an underrated song on, on No More Tears? Sin. I agree. Absolutely. Thank Sin you for is... saying that. And, and you know what? I liked that song the first time I heard it. Yeah, first time I heard it, I liked it. I was like, "This is really rad." Um, is there an overrated song on the record? Do you think? Um, probably Tinker Drink. Yeah, um, I think that of of all the songs on this album that are rated, um, I would have to go Tinker Train as being the most overrated. I would say I, uh, I don't want to change the world would be my choice because ah. it it got a lot of play on that live live aloud, and I just. Uh, I can't do it. Um, you know what, dude? Just looking at the track list from what I know, it's a pretty solid. You know the other thing you do that you hear more? You heard a little bit early Ozzy, and then you heard more and more and more. The Beatles influence that sneaks in more? The McCartney? Oh, yeah. You know, some Lennon, but you really hear that, you know, just looking at, yeah, you know what? I'm going to listen to this record tonight. Check it out. Because there's a lot of stuff like you know I just want use on this on that and that's a, I remember that being a great song. See on the other side, what a great guitar solo! Um, oh yeah, there's some good stuff on there. All right, so I'm gonna listen to that. I'm gonna listen to that. Uh, Twelve songs on that one, great. So it's almost perfect. You almost can do the battle song by song. <laughs> that would be yeah. kind of a fun. I might be you know we gotta have you on again, ma'am, unless you flop. <laughs> on well, this it's, episode. <laughs> it's entirely possible. <laughs> ah, I doubt it, dude. You know what? 1991 was a great year for music, in my opinion. And there was a lot of albums that were so strong, like really strong. You know what I mean? One, one more thought. Speaking of that, the thing about No More Tears is it doesn't really fit in 1991 music. It's, totally agree. It's, there's just some things in there that just aren't of 91 it's just it's just uh, it's anachronistic it's, it's huge record dude and that's the yeah. it's like five six million seller dude it's it's crazy to think you 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 nail that point right there man because 
when you think about all those records, and I will screw this up right now, even though we're going to pretty much review all these records. You have 10, Nevermind, Bad Motor Finger, The Illusion Records, No More Tears. You have, uh, uh, don't tell me, um, The Fuck Record, The Fuck Record by Van Halen. Um, The Black Album, thank you. Uh, but that's all of that's in one year and there's more trust me i'm screwing up but blood sugar sex magic blood sugar sex magic right i mean there's a lot of great records but you are right that's the, that's the sore thumb of pretty much everything we just we talked about and the guns yeah. and roses too to be honest with you even well, though least... th- those records were solid i i think there's another type of discussion we can have where that record needs to be one record they need to tell axel rose you're not you're not as big as you think you are yet, pal. Make make this one record, then do your double fantasy record, whatever. But if that record becomes one record, I think Guns N' Roses becomes one of the biggest. Not, I mean, fuck, they still are when you think about their selling out stadiums. Even but bigger though. I do believe that, man. I believe, I believe them giving Axel too much creative control. Fuck that band in that time period. But at the same time. You, you know, you look well, I mean, look over the horizon, what was coming. You know what I mean? If you look at Guns N' Roses' um, User Illusions albums compared to No More Tears, though, at least on User Illusion albums, you can see that they're experimenting, going in different directions, trying yeah. new things and being yeah. different. Yeah. There's, Like you said, there's just so much that's the same on No More Tears or yeah. it's just like really similar sounding. And it doesn't sound like anything else that's played in that period. I mean, yeah. no other albums had, you know, a desire or you know, things, things like um, Tinker Train. I mean, no other artist that, that was popular at the time had anything that was yeah. really along those lines. And part of it is just Ozzy being Ozzy because, you know, he's always um, had his guitar virtuosos and that's what drives his music. And he, you know, throws down the, the vocal melodies over the top of it. And that's Ozzy. But just hearing a lot of the stuff on this album, especially, you know, today and, comparing it to stuff that was released at about the same time you don't hear a lot of like musical progression on this album even though it was yeah. huge and it's the black album and like it's, it's ozzy's black album and everything just takes a step down after live and loud as far as sales go and reviews go and all that stuff this this was almost stale it's, a great, to- it's a great point dude and i and we're gonna leave it at this because here's here's my full circle ready Zach almost joined Guns N' Roses. I remember that. He auditioned. Yeah, so there, he, he didn't really audition. He had the gig. It just didn't... Something didn't happen, but he, well, he essentially had the gig. It, it was uh, his relationship with Axel, from what I understand. I, I, dude, I, I couldn't along. picture those two in a band together. And, that, and honestly... That was, during, that was during Axel's recluse period, though, where he was just, you know, playing Axel Hughes and, you know, growing his fingernails and pissing in jars. But here's the... <laughs> Jesus. Here's the thing, though, right? When you think about that, and then we've got to end the conversation because it'll be like a nine-hour conversation, but if you think about that time period, if Slash is in your band, Slash is your alpha male guitar player. Has to be. You you can't, like, that's why you couldn't have Slash and Buckethead. You couldn't have you couldn't have Slash and, and Zach. You, you, I mean, you have to have that Gilby Clark guy. You know who Gilby's yeah. a good player, but you can't have that... It doesn't make sense in that band. Slash is too much of the alpha dog. You know, here's my top hat. Here's my vibe, my no shirt, my blah, 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 cigarette hanging on my mouth. Like, I'm the guy. Like, Slash is Guns N' Roses 
in the guitar sense of that band. I right. just I I never could wrap my head around Zach playing guitar in Guns N' Roses. I, I I could not wrap my head around that. I think that would have been probably one of the weirdest like additions to a band maybe ever. I, I couldn't even picture the live show. Do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. it would be the weirdest shit ever. It would be I don't it, I don't he doesn't fit that. I'm sorry. That's it's like it's like I heard a boot of Zach playing with the Almond Brothers, and it was so unlistenable. It was insane. I was like, wow, dude, you are not playing in the context of this band. What the fuck soever. Like, and the thing about the thing about the Almond Brothers thing is you would think that he would fit better with Almonds than dude, he would with Guns N' Roses. Dude, because, he, he had a Southern rock connection. He didn't fit at all, man. I don't know what he was doing, but it was like it was like it was like ending of no more tears solos over everything and i'm like what are you doing bro like it's not even you know anyway i could tangent on forever it's part of the problem me having a podcast i don't know when to shut the fuck up but um i super enjoyed having you on the show again man and uh i'm really happy that we were kind of it was interesting we were pretty eye to eye on this which was uh i didn't think we i don't know if we would have gotten there so that was kind of cool that we were on that so Thanks again for coming on, man. Is there anything you want to plug before I let you go? Um, just your podcast, man. It kicks thanks, ass, man. and I'm and I'm you know again happy to be back on here a second time. And um, thanks for everybody who's listened to the Black Album podcast and you know made it number three on your list. That's super cool to me. It means a ton to me, and uh, I look forward to hearing everybody else that you're putting out, man. You're putting out some great stuff, some great guests, and you know shout outs to all of those folks who, that have come on. Um, I'd be remiss if I said, uh, if I left out, uh, no offense to cheerleaders and soccer moms <laughs> Absolutely. Of, of, of everything that I said in the first podcast, that's the one that's gotten me the most feedback, but you got to think for cheerleaders or soccer. Uh, moms. It was no, amazing. No, it's not offending. That's all. And, and the 20 bucks in your memo is coming later for that really nice review right there. Um, <laughs> but no, but seriously, man, I, I love doing the podcast and, I've been getting a lot of a lot of downloads, which has been awesome, and and people have been writing reviews, and I appreciate that, and uh, five star reviews too, and things have just been great, man. So we pr- I appreciate all the love. We got more people coming on, a lot of cool ideas I I have. Just trying to figure out what you guys are digging, but what I like too. I always want to make sure what I'm doing I enjoy, and uh, so far, man, I'm getting really good feedback, so I appreciate it. So, Bredo, have a great week, man. Be safe out there. Take care. Everybody out there listening, appreciate you listening to Mixtapes. I'm Eric Stanglin. Everybody, peace.